That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on a kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. This is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think and again is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his part. You can't, you can't, it, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 Podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson and Ish. Today, we are joined by Jared Johnson from Inside the Red Raider, covering Texas Tech for 24-7 Sports. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. How are y'all doing? Doing good, man. Yeah, doing great. No complaints here. No complaints. Um, Off-season, we were talking about it right before we started recording. It's the perfect time to get to know all the teams in Texas. And uh, man, Texas Tech is always one of our favorite teams to talk about on this podcast. Just it feels like there's always something, whether it is, you know, Chris Beard leaving last year to Mark Adams. And now, I mean, with the year that they had uh, 27 and 10 overall, 12 and 6 in conference, I forgot they went 18 and 0 at home. Uh, just a tremendous yeah, year. I too. <laughs> tremendous year under uh, Mark Adams' first year. Um, I guess we could start just looking at last year. How would you? Describe it, recap it, especially the regular season as you got to know Mark Adams and how he is as a coach. Uh, crazy, for one. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, when Beard left, it was insane. You know, he was telling a lot of people close here he wasn't going anywhere, he wasn't going anywhere, and then, boom, he left, you know. Um, of course, uh, UT had a very strong inkling that he was going to, to UT, and, I mean, fans – here in Lubbock just felt betrayed. I know Matt, you, you helped out, uh, you know, our site yeah. this time last year, and you know how much this fan base has really gravitated to the basketball program uh, and how much it means to, to Red Raider fans. So they felt honestly betrayed, not that he left or went somewhere. If he'd gone to North Carolina or the NBA or whatever, everybody been like, Hey, you know, thanks for your time. We love you. But to go to Texas and the way you did. So I think it's important that we start with that, 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 that was the base of, going into next year. And then, uh, you know, Darvin Ham, who was just hired by the Lakers, he was interviewed. Um, and then there was a, a groundswell of support from former players, coaches in the area, like junior college, junior college coaches in, in the area and high school coaches in the area. Uh, just fans saying hire, hire Mac, Mark Adams. He didn't get on the plane. He didn't cause Beard was trying a lot to get Mark Adams to come with him. He had been kind of his defensive coordinator and Adams, you know, went to Texas Tech, uh, coached here a lot, grew up in the area. Uh, he, this was his shot. He, had won, he, this was his dream to be Texas Tech's head coach. So, uh, you know, they, Texas Tech made the right choice. Obviously, they hired him, uh, and then he hit the ground rolling with a great staff. Uh, hit the transfer portal, which is a big part of what we, you know, college basketball now. The transfer portal is just insane, and uh, yeah. put together a really good team. 
got some key players like Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon to return, somehow put them all together and made this amazing run. That fueled by the emotion of all the beard stuff uh, and having one of their own stay here as the coach uh, led to an undefeated season, the best first season by any coach in Texas Tech basketball history and a sweet 16 run, which I was there in San Francisco. It was going, you know, back and forth there to the end when Duke just made more shots. Duke found a, a nice matchup and to their credit, they were better that night, but sweet 16 run. Competed in the Big 12, undefeated at home. Great first season of Mark Adams. I'm wondering, because <clears throat> when when Mark Adams took over, I think everybody was kind of wondering what wrinkles will be different because more or less we kind of knew that the defense would stay the same, like you mentioned. Um, I believe they were coaching together at McLennan, even Juco, I believe. It's like, or, yeah. or I think he, I don't know if he went back there or he, I know he was on his staff for certain at Little Rock. Um, and so, you know, the defense would stay the same, but, I remember when they brought in the likes of Kevin O'Banner and uh, Bryson Williams immediately uh, that my ears kind of perked up at that. Cause I was like, those guys don't play for Chris Beard's team. Um, and so I'm wondering if you kind of noticed the difference too, where it was like, okay, they're willing to go a little bit more stretch big as opposed to, you know, last year, uh, two years ago when it was just Marco Santos Silva in the post um, kind of dirty work bigs or maybe even undersized bigs like those uh, uh, runner up team that that runner up team had, you know, did you see kind of the wrinkles of Mark Adams maybe putting more of his touch on things uh, this past year? Because I thought I did it personally. No doubt. I think uh, you're all over it. Uh, Beard is all about positionless basketball. I don't know if he really still is, but he really preached that all the time. He wanted a bunch of six, 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 seven guys who are interchangeable. And to, to be honest, that goes to Mark Adams' strength where it switches constantly, uh, you know, his defense, his philosophy. But – he is more traditional and that he wants more traditional bigs. He, he believes more traditional guards, like say a Davion Harmon, who they added this off season. Mm. He's not a six, six Kevin McCuller point guard. He's more your traditional shifty uh, type of guard. So uh, combo guard anyways. Uh, so no, he's definitely going more to a traditional defined position rather than positionless basketball that Chris Beard, at least yeah, he was two years ago. So, uh, so big on yeah, and kind of going off that, when they added Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, Kev, Kevin McCuller go down the list, I had questions of, and even Terrence Shannon returning, I had questions of, is this team going to be able defensively to play as well as it did in years in years prior? Because Bryson Williams at UTEP was never known as a defender. You know, Kevin O'Banner come from Oral Roberts, so on and so forth. And to still end the year with the best defense in the country is just absurd. I, I don't really – I. I've watched I've watched this team so many times. I, I watched you know obviously here at LSU they had a great defense and just for Texas Tech to sustain it was absurd to me. And so I, I feel like that's something that people are kind of overlooking when talking about Mark Adams is um, not only did he win but he had the best defense in the country last year. Yeah. I mean how how did how did that kind of come about and what, did that surprise people in any way? I mean. I think just the overall success, yes. Like, I'm surprised that O'Banner and Williams play as good a defense as they did. I, I'd be lying if, yeah. if I didn't say that. I mean, but then again, that's what the culture is here. Uh, I wrote a story after the season ended that Mark Adams uh, in this season proved that this culture will endure as long as Mark Adams is here because he was the defensive coordinator for Chris Beard mm -hmm. here. And that's, what, that's why guys come here. Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner – 
came here to Lubbock and to Texas Tech because they wanted to show on film they can play defense, you know, to get to the next level. And, yeah, I, I never expected both of those guys to, to play as good as they did. And then you mentioned Marcus Santa Silva earlier. He was huge in terms of, like, switching on the perimeter against some of the better guards in the Big 12 and being able to still hold them down, which he was good at that, but he got better. So what they've shown is that they're able to bring guys in, talented offensive players, develop them, get them to buy into this philosophy, this team first defensive philosophy, and it, and it works. Yeah. I want to ask about the, the both the Texas games, because obviously there was a lot of noise going into the, the one coming back to Lubbock. I think everybody had that one circled when Chris Beer took the job, um, especially when Mark Adams got the tech job. And so I'm wondering, like, obviously there was a lot of uh, – Controversy is the wrong word, but a lot of like noise going on about the the you know Texas Tech fans, all that stuff. I thought it was way overblown. I thought um, Mark Adams made it clear. Hell, Joey McGuire made it clear that like he didn't want certain things to go to happen when you have the football coach even like trying to say something. I don't think anything actually did happen or was in or actually was in uh, danger of happening. But I think people see raucous students, all that stuff. They get you know they get nervous. But that that aside. To me, I love the idea of having a blood rivalry, like a legitimate, like hatred rivalry. And I think the Chris Beard thing, you know, Texas and Tech already have enough animosity. They don't need any more. The Chris Beard thing added another thing to it. Mark Adams, like you mentioned, not getting on the plane adds something to it. Terrence Shannon not going to Texas, like all this stuff. Talk about just like those two games and like what this potentially builds for not only both schools, but the sport in general, because like, in a in a year where Duke and North Carolina, you know that the rivalry was good, but like this was like right there with it. It felt like this particular year. Yeah, Ishmael, man. Once again, you're all over it. I I don't like hate in any form or fashion. I just to me, as long as you're not causing any harm, I have no problem with you. Sure. But good old fashioned sports hate, I love it. Like I'm a <laughs> I'm a wounded the tomb Cowboys fan. I hate the Eagles. I'm gonna hate them until I die. I mean, you know, yeah. they hate us. Well, I I think that's healthy as long as like the best crowds, whether you're at a, a show, like a, like a music show, a sports, sporting event, whatever, has the hint of fear because of the mob, but nothing happens, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's yeah. the best. It adds excitement to it. There was a hint of, I hope nobody does anything stupid. You know, don't throw anything at anybody. Don't say anything too out of bounds. You know what I mean? Like, don't go after Chris Beard necessarily. Like, you, you know, almost mm -hmm. like what happened with the Oklahoma fan in him. It's just like, let them know you're there, but don't go don't go over that line. And to Texas Tech's credit, I mean, they were uh, tailgating all like for you know they camped out and tailgate. I was right there, went and you know did videos for a local radio show. I do all that, and uh, it, it, it was crazy. But at the game, they didn't go out of bounds. They they didn't, and uh, it was it was a game where Tech had to win at home. I mean, that's what everyone says. Like, Tech has to win this game at home. If you win the one in Austin, too, then, hey, that's great. Then you could point at them and laugh. But uh, the one at home, they had to win. They did win. They got some big performances from, from uh, you know, the, their guys. The crowd was probably worth at least five or six points that, that night. And, uh, and then to go into Austin and sweep was – I think a lot of fans, what they expressed to me was they felt vindication. Hmm. 
Yeah. Um, definitely what a fun podcast that was for us after that. We came on right <laughs> afterwards and just was like, this is this was amazing. Um, I want I want to quickly before we move on to, to next year, before we move on to next year, uh, I want to talk about that Duke game a little bit because it just feels like this should have been a Final Four team. Um, and Duke just made shots. And it was just like you said, it's just it felt like there wasn't anything you could do. Duke was is extremely talented. I mean, obviously, all the NBA talent they had, but it felt like this was the perfect matchup to go against Duke with the experience, the defense. Did it feel like a missed opportunity? Did it feel like um, maybe some like this was a Final Four team? Did Tech have the capable capability of going to the Final Four? Absolutely, but I mean, it's Duke. They were talented. They're well coached. Um, being at that game, it reminded me of covering like some really good NBA playoff series where you, you know, everything is scouted. If you find a mismatch, which ultimately was switching onto Bryson Williams, who was on fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, he, he tore it up offensively, but defensively they kept basically, you know, pick and roll and then ISO on him and they were getting buckets after buckets, whether it was a guard going in and scoring off him or breaking him down, help in addition for a dunk. I mean, so I, like, Duke deserved that. I tipped the cap. I mean, they, they won that game. I don't feel like it was like a fluke or anything. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Tech had an opportunity, uh, a good enough team to go to the Final Four. But that's the NCAA tournament. I mean, it, it's yeah. crazy. Things have to fall just in the place to get to the Final Four, even when you're really good. And some of Tech's weaknesses came to the forefront, which is, happens in a tournament when you're playing a good team like like Duke. Like, their, their shooting failed them, and they had been very consistent uh, shooting-wise from the perimeter. And then uh, Bryson Williams was going into the season we already talked about. He wasn't known as a defensive player. And though I don't think it was an effort thing, it's just when you get to that level, that was the mismatch they found and they worked it. Yeah. Um, looking at the turnover real quick as we go into the offseason now, uh, just an incredible amount of change. I, I, I went and looked at, you know, obviously I read the side and everything like that. And, um, I think we, uh, let me just list off the departures here first because it's oh, a lengthy list. Yeah, Bryson Williams, Marcus Santos Silva, Davion Warren, uh, Adonis Arms, Terrence Shannon, Kevin McCuller, Malik Wilson, and Sardar Calhoun. Um, some of those going to the NBA, some going to the transfer portal, uh, Marcus Santos Silva to the NFL. So, all the different ways you can lose players. What, what do you think is the reason? Uh, for for the departures and just obviously nothing has to be the reason because it's you know college basketball nowadays where every team is doing that but um just what what did you see in in those moves uh well obviously some of them just bring out of uh, eligibility like the Dallas Arms has already said he stayed be here six years if he could and boy I miss him I I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Adonis Arms just both on and off the court just great just a great dude just for the record. Bryson Williams, too, uh, but he's, you know, I, even during the season, first team All-Big 12 caliber player, and there's no doubt, I think he was a unanimous choice. Uh, I still thought, like, is he really going to translate to the NBA? Just because those those guys in the NBA are just freaks. You know, there's a, there's a ton of seven-foot dudes who, who are versatile and have crazy range yeah. and all that. But I don't know. He's been tearing it up, you know, in camps and on, on uh, uh, you know, in some of the workouts and everything. So I Maybe he will, you know, uh, but those are two huge losses. Santa Silva, from a culture standpoint, some of the dirty work, like uh, Ishmael was talking about, the things he provided, that it's huge. It really is. 
Um, Kevin McCuller was the tip of the spear of their defense. So that's that's a tough loss. Uh, uh, offensively, he was kind of challenged as a, as a point guard and, and as a shooter. But, you know, I think that might be one of the reasons he's going to Kansas is that he, you know, he wants to improve that. Uh, and that's another blood feud. If you don't think Tech fans don't feel betrayed, him going in, in conference like that to Kansas, they do. You know, we see it on the message board. So that'll be fun as well uh, next season. They have blood feuds everywhere. It, it, it'll be fun. Uh, but, be 12. Yeah, right? Uh, well, that's Texas Tech in a nutshell. You're either with us or against us. You know, that's that's what they say. So uh, uh, Terrence Shannon, you know, um, I don't know. It's kind of complicated, but he is going back home. So that makes sense. And then I think it's also it would be – uh, dishonest if we didn't say that money plays a big factor. Not that it didn't before NIL, but I mean, it's in our faces now. And I, no matter what we think about it, it is a thing. It's, it's, it's yeah. here. And uh, I know some of those players, just like Texas Tech is a player in the NIL in uh, some of the guys they brought. Uh, I think players get a more clear view of how much they're wanted, I guess, and their market value, and that makes their choices more difficult. So it's an interesting college basketball world we find ourselves in right now, that's for sure. Before we get on to some of the additions uh, that they've made, I wanted to ask you about the – because it was it was a news story for like a day, I think, with the Terrence Shannon situation, um, kind of how it happened, Michigan kind of chiming in, things like that. And so I want to like kind of like – from your perspective, because what I read into it was based on, I forgot the player, but he tweeted out, you know, something about Mark Adam. Yeah. Hunter, Hunter, uh, um, Dickinson. Yes. Um, and so he tweeted out, Oh, Mark Adams claims to preach so-and-so whatever. Uh, cause the story, the, the report was and by all indications, Terrence Shannon was going to Michigan more or less. Like that was the rumor mill. Um, Juwan Howard wanted him, all that stuff obviously didn't happen from what I read from the situation. It sounded like, he needed some credits that he did not have to get into Michigan. And he would have had to have taken it after he was off scholarship with tech. And so Mark Adams didn't clear that, which to me, 99, you, you can, you can, you can correct me on this if not, but uh, my, my stance was 99% of the time I'm pro player, but also at that point, yeah. he's not a player anymore. And Mark Adams had no obligation to say, okay, yeah, you can take some classes here at Tech while still not playing for us, things like that. If, In my opinion, if Michigan wanted him, Jawan Howard could have gone to some benefactor and say, hey, can you throw this kid 5000 bucks so he can take a summer class? But um, I don't know. Could you clarify any of that for, for any of us? Yeah, no, I mean, you're pretty much on it. And, I mean, I, this is where I've, I'm with you, too. I'm, I'm very much from the perspective of players a lot, which I don't know if a lot of guys who cover teams are, are that way. Sure. To be honest, I mean, mostly from the coach's perspective, I just can't help it. That's the way I look at it. But in, in this specific example, I mean, imagine you're Mark Adams in this scenario where you pay for Terrence Shannon to take these summer courses, let him come work out at the at your in, at your practice facility. All of that goes to Michigan. Then you play them in the Sweet 16, and he torches you for 30. You got to come right. back to your fan base and like, hey, you helped with that. Now, I'm not saying it would be a direct contribution, but, I mean, you – I mean, Tech did just play Michigan in the Sweet 16 in 2018. So, I mean, it's not – it could happen. It just sure. – I get it. I mean, they are competing, and it's high stakes, big business. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, obviously he didn't have a hard time transferring to Illinois within the same conference. They were able to make right. it work. So, without having to get Texas Tech help them, I mean, I mean that makes no sense to me. And, and yeah. I don't know the player – 
but sometimes we have all these social media platforms. We say things without knowing what we're talking about, to be quite honest. So, and I've probably been guilty of that before too. So, yeah, Yeah, I was about to say that tweet got deleted pretty, uh, pretty quickly too. But uh, my other thing was like, I don't know, man, it's 2022 cheat. Like, (laughs) like figure figure Ah, something out with admissions. If you want, like Juwan, I'm sorry, no offense. Juwan Howard should know all about making things work to go to school. <laughs> in Michigan, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, so I, mean, you, like, I don't know. Do I, you think... I had the exact same thought process. Like, <laughs> I was like, do you think Brad Underwood was like, ah, oh, he needs some, he needs some credits to get into Illinois? <laughs> like, he's like, no, make this <laughs> <Nope>. work. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I couldn't. I couldn't. I was like, "Are we really letting admissions get in the way in 2022?" I didn't. I didn't think this was still. Uh, that was still a thing. <laughs> yeah, here's another thing. Here's another thing too. Is yeah, like yeah. guys don't fail out in football or basketball anymore. You notice that? One of my writers and no. Matt, you know, Joe Yeager was saying like, everybody is just smart now. You know, everybody just goes to class now all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he failed. He's ineligible. Like, right. no, that's, I mean, everyone's playing the game. So that, that whole story was just kind of weird. I, there's yeah. something there that we don't know. I, I that's yeah, normally there's if there's something be. that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. or doesn't pass the smell test. Usually it's because you don't have all the information. Yeah. I, it, there's gotta be, I want to see the face on Juwan Howard when they told him that he didn't have the credits to get into Michigan. <laughs> Um, but no, uh, I do want to talk about the the additions though, because you guys made some very interesting ones. You mentioned uh, uh, Davion Harmon, who um, I remember from from Geyer and watching him. I didn't really see him at Oregon, but when he was at Oklahoma, I saw him a couple times. Um, mm. There was also the kid from uh, Utah Valley. Um, I cannot pronounce his name, uh, but he's a p- pretty big addition, uh, uh, whack player of the year, I believe. Yeah. And so, um, and then of course you guys got a big commit over the over the week from uh, I believe Elijah Mitchell. Is that correct? Elijah Fisher. Uh, Fisher. Fisher, sorry. Yes. Um, so, you know, you guys seem to be reloading. What are Who are some of the guys who, out of this bunch, you know, me and Bruni have kind of opinions on Debian Harmon's fit, you know, how he kind of exactly will work with this team. Um, but I think that there's clear, like, immediate, immediate uh, impact talent coming in. Yeah, and this may sound weird to people that's not around the program and don't, you know, we live this every day, you know, the Texas State basketball program. But and we had a discussion uh, amongst the staff in the kind of a roundtable story of just, is this roster, this new roster on paper better than last year? And we all think it is in, in terms of on-paper talent. I mean, offensively, it's better. There's size. I mean, you mentioned Bardaz Amek, which – uh, yeah, I sound ridiculous saying his name, but uh, that's the way I've been told it was pronounced. It's pronounced. Okay. Uh, you know, I never heard of Utah Valley before, to be honest. Never heard of it. Uh, but the he whack, was. Right? Yeah. But yeah. I, have you ever watched Utah Valley play? I mean, I, ha- I have never watched Utah Valley. But play. hey, we have we have some whack schools in the whack that we cover on this podcast. Okay, so. <laughs> So I might have well, seen bad. a couple of Utah <laughs> Valley games in there. He might have made a three and be like, I've never heard of Utah Valley. But he averaged 19 points, uh, 14 rebounds, a block and a half. Uh, I mean, Tech was battling like Gonzaga and some of the other, you know, top tier uh, or, you know, top 20 level teams uh, in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they won them over because of that whole defensive thing uh, and, and just – Mark Adams and his staff the way they are. Uh, but Davion Harmon, those two, I mean, you got the, the again, the darty, shifty, score-first guard, which I think really you need to make that deep run in the tournament. I really do. I think that makes the difference 
in a victory or loss, like in that Sweet 16 game uh, in, in Duke and Texas Tech. So defensively, we'll see how that works. But those are two huge additions. Uh, Elijah Fisher has been a phenom for most of his life. Uh, yeah. But he comes from Toronto. Uh, there were some questions about some competition at one point, but, I mean, he's been tearing it up no matter on all kinds of circuits and, you know, AAU or summer leagues and all that stuff. Uh, 6'6", 6'7", uh, more of a inside score. He's not an outside scorer. Uh, I think he's going to be a very good defender in this system. Uh, that's I think that's a key. He's going to be a guy to get a lot of steals, get out on the break, uh, athletic finisher. Uh, he uh, He's a replacement for Terrence Shannon in a lot of ways, especially when Shannon was young and really more drove to the basket. So great finishing in, uh, in with contacts. Uh, Devontae Williams is a guy that's – or Demarion Williams, excuse me. Demarion Williams from Gardner-Webb, uh, efficient shooter. Uh, 38% from three, uh, 41% from the field. I think around 70 or 80% from the free throw line. Average 10 points a game. Very good defender. Exactly what Texas Tech needs out of like that kind of that roster spot. Uh, and then they have some high school guys I really like. Lamar Washington is a, is a four-star shooting guard coming from uh, Portland, Oregon. He was also a three-star recruit uh, in football. I mean, he had offers from like USC and some some big programs. So very good athlete. Uh, made a late push up our, our rankings at 24-7 sports because he, he was tearing it up uh, late there. And then Pop Isaacs, I mean, is that kind of creator, facilitator type guard that Tech just didn't have last year, quite honestly. Uh, and hasn't had really since – even Keenan Evans wasn't really – I mean, he was a good facilitator, but not in this vein. He was more of a score first guy back in 2017. So Tech really hadn't had this kind of guy in this – era of, of success so uh, I'm leaving some guys out but man Texas Tech is uh, adding some really good pieces and uh, overall I really feel like on paper how they come together we'll have to see and that will tell the tale but on paper this team is more talented I've I've spent the last while you were talking the last couple minutes trying to debate this in my head now because now you put it in there and I, I just I can't decide now I, I've obviously you you have a better understanding of this team than I do. I have I'd have to look at Fardos, um, and whatnot. It's Jalen Tyson's another player I think is real interesting. Bring him in from I Texas. Not mentioned him. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's really. Um, so you look at the backcourt and you're Davion Harmon, Jalen Tyson, Clarence Nadolny's back, uh, Isaac's the, the freshman you mentioned. Yet that's a that's a backcourt that I think is real could be real exciting and could like you said get give you a lot more scoring punch than last year's team. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't mention Jalen Tyson. He might be be the leading scorer up there. He's had a great – like, since he transferred, he's had uh, a great offseason. I mean, he he transferred was with the team and traveled with them in the tournament. I mean, I remember seeing him. He had put on some really good weights since he got to Tech. I mean, he's huge now, but – uh, moving, well, he looks like a Big 12 wing basically already, yeah. even though he's relatively young. And he's a three level scorer, very talented guy. I mean, again, I can't believe I didn't mention him, but in Clarence Nadalny, it's one of those things. And man, I know you know how this goes. Uh, maybe he's back, maybe he's not. We're gonna have to see. It's gonna depend on some things with the transfer portal and, and then Clarence mm-hmm. too. So I love Clarence Nadalny, he's tough. Uh, Great defender. Uh, I mean, it, he doesn't take anything from a seven-footer. You know what I mean? He'll try and go. He'll go yeah. nose to chest with a seven-footer. You know, he's just not. He's just. We call him the French bulldog. I love Clarence. So, I hope he does. Well, even when, 
Yeah, well, even when there were the injuries in the middle of the season, I mean, y'all beat Tech beat Baylor without a bunch of the players, and Clarence Ndolny slid in there real well. Um, uh, Kevin O'Banner, Daniel Bacho returning. I was high on Bacho in the non-conference. I could see why he didn't play in conference. It's just kind of a different animal. But I was like, okay, there's some potential here for him as just a seven-foot big, just kind of clogging up the paint. Um, what 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 do you think of Bacho and O'Banner coming back? Well, O'Banner is a walking double double. I think he's put up a double yeah. double in every tournament game he's played in, whether it was a Roberts or a Tech. I mean, he he had a like 15 point, 14 rebound game against Notre Dame in the second round. Where Tech doesn't advance, they had a terrible shooting game. It was bizarre. They were missing point blank, wide open layups. I think it was freakish. When I was right there. I couldn't believe it. I mean, you don't see good high school teams miss those kind of shots. Uh, it wasn't like anything. Notre Dame wasn't playing great. Notre Dame doesn't play a lot of defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll tell, you know, uh, it just were yeah. missing shots. It was weird. But O'Banner was like the stadium force. To get him back is huge. And I think he has the potential to be a lot better. Uh, Bacho, what happened to him was he got COVID in the season. And he and he got hurt, too. So it was he couldn't get it together. Like he he was getting better and better and better. And then, bam. And that's really been the story of Bacho is like, at Arizona, you know, he was a four-star guy. They respect a lot of things. And he had a couple of injuries that set him back. So if he can stay healthy, then uh, I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, he's really athletic for a seven-footer. I mean, looking at the roster, even just last year, I thought he might have the most potential in terms of the highest ceiling to be an NBA player just because of his length and athleticism and all that. But he, he, needs, to, he needs to come on with his development and develop like a yeah. – you know, a little baby hook. Someone will go to post move rather than just be a finisher and shot blocker and guy really cool. I think one of the things that, for me, this season could really separate Beard's develop or uh, Adam's development from Beard is, I think how he handles some of these incoming. Like we mentioned, uh, uh, Fisher. We mentioned uh, somebody like a uh, Jalen Tyson, who's on his second stint, but still is kind of a highly touted prospect. One of the things that I think always kind of underwhelmed me about Beard, and he's going to have a chance to do this at Texas when he has he has a couple five stars coming in from high school. I don't, aside from Jemias Ramsey, I don't think he really hit a lot of. It, he, he wasn't really on the same wavelength as a lot of the t- highly touted recruits. I'm thinking of all, obviously Damari Burnett as well. Um, Micah Peavy really didn't hit. Um, and again, it really is just Jam- uh, that Jemias Ramsey who happened to be like his perfect type of player. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, you know, I'll be kind of keeping an eye on that, how Tyson does, how Fisher does under Adams versus, and then uh, 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 Arterio Morris uh, at Texas. I'm really curious to see where that, because I think that's where, that's where I think Beard's one, I don't say glaring weakness, but like things where I was like, oh, I'm going to keep an eye on that versus how Adams handled the, handles those situations. Because I know um, Ulrich Malagy played a big part in like recruiting a lot of the, those guys too. But I'm just wondering, like, especially how that Namari Burnett thing like flamed out really quickly. Um, you know, highest had a recruit ever. All of a sudden he's just not playing and then he's gone. So um, I'm curious if that's something you're going to be watching too or if that's something you've had like questions about too. Yeah. And again, you know, we live with this every day and, uh, you know, we talk about it on the message board and all that. And I talk about it in the community and people stop me. Hey, what's going on with this? Why is this happening? You know, uh, here's my theory on Beard. First off, uh, I know there's a lot of hatred with Chris Beard and all that, but he's done some things for me personally and, and shown a lot of grace with me. 
uh, when I've had some tough times, my family's had some tough times, which I respect and appreciate. He is a great coach. Uh, he did is a big part of the basketball story at Texas Tech. Um, so that has to be said. That's the base. But Beard isn't for everyone, just like Bob Knight wasn't for everyone. Um, and I think history has shown that. I mean, I don't have to just say it. I mean, history has shown that um, he's had some run-ins with players. And, it, and it's not just the, the high-end or the highly rated players, but certainly it, it has been. Um, he's very impatient. He's impatient. He doesn't let big guys develop. I mean, there have been some big guys that were here for a year, didn't see the court, they left, and then had success uh, elsewhere. Uh, so, and he doesn't have patience with, uh, younger, highly or, or younger players. It's like he, yeah. there is a developmental problem where his impatience impacts some guys. Now on the other, on the other hand, he came in and inherited like the Keenan Evans, um, I, that whole class, Zach Smith, all those guys, Norris Odiasi, and he elevated them. So the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. But I, that is definitely a storyline that if I'm at Texas, I'm covering that. And if we're being honest with our fan base, then, you know, with, with the, the team we cover's fan base, then you, you have to talk about that because it is a thing. Yeah. I mean, we talked about on this podcast all, all the whole time. It's like the, the underperforming of, you know, a couple of Texas top players uh, when we move in here. So it's, an, it's always an interesting development to look at that when you talk about, especially now it's that it's Adams um, at Texas Tech and how he kind of plays that. Um, I think we can, you know, start, start look uh, to wrap this up, just looking at expectations for next year. Obviously, like you said, on paper, this is a team that should, should be just as good, if not, if not better than next, than last year's team. And it's Mark Adams second year, um, where are you starting to put the floor at for this team as you start to just look at them as a whole? Obviously, you still have we still have an offseason to go and like five months beforehand, but where do you start to put the floor for this team? Yeah, this team should – this program is at a place where it should go to the tournament every year. I mean, that's where it's at, you know. So I think that's the floor is like, uh, you know, it should be at least middle of the pack, Big 12, and go to the NCAA tournament. Now, the ceiling – I hate to put a ceiling on a, you know, a program that's been to the Sweet 16 – so many times over the years went to the you know was seconds away from winning a national championship I know a lot has changed since then that's for sure personnel wise coaching staff wise but that's just where Texas Tech is is right now as a program that they expect to be one of the top 15 teams in the country top 20 teams in the country and compete for in in conference and make a tournament run so where how they actually end up just depends on so many things with chemistry, which how could we possibly predict that? I mean, a lot of the guys just moved in, uh, you know, and some aren't even here yet. So yeah. they have to come together in a hurry like they did last year. Um, and then they have to stay healthy, all these things, figure out the rotation. Um, there's so many things to throw in there, but I think another, I mean, Challenging in the Big 12 for a title and making another run to the Sweet 16 or further is definitely possible with with this roster that they've amassed. And they're not done yet. They may add, they're going to add at least one more, if not two more, through the transfer pool. Yeah. Um, last thing uh, I have to add this on here uh, the Davion Harmon aspect of this is, is real interesting uh, because we, we've talked about this. We talked, we, I, like we said, we didn't watch him a lot at Oregon, at Oklahoma and Denton Geyer. Like I covered him in person at Denton Geyer. We know him real well um, in that regard. Is it, 
going to be his role to come in and try to be a scoring guard, you think? Is he going to be a playmaking guard? Just how do you see his role kind of coming in and fitting fitting with this team uh, initially? I think, they to, I think they they want him to be a scoring guard. I mean, that's what he is. I mean, I remember him in Oklahoma. He had one of those unconscious games where uh, Tech just couldn't do anything. Oklahoma won that game because they just he wasn't going to miss. You know, uh, the thing is though, they don't he did they don't have to have him go off for 15 to 20 a night for Tech to win because of their defense uh, and because they have brought in other scores. They're going to be able to score from multiple different places, from multiple places, multiple parts of the, of the court. They just hired a new assistant coach to play, and their offense is going to look very different. It's going to be more of the – they're going for at least – you've got to have the personnel, but they're going for like the five-out Golden State to mm-hmm. kind of spread the floor. They're going to – they want to put up a lot of threes. So it's going to look different next year uh offensively and you got to have players who can shoot i mean you got to have players who can fill it up to do that and that harman's a yeah. part of that you know how what they sacrificed defensively which is an honest question that was my first thought when they when they were targeting Harmon too uh we'll have to see you know but yeah we had a lot of questions about some of these players which you already mentioned like bryson williams uh kevin o'banner and we've seen year after year them bringing guys who didn't play defense or weren't known for defense at least uh, in their previous spot, come in and elevate that that part of their their game. And these guys know coming into the program that if you don't play defense, you're not going to play. I mean, just, it doesn't matter who you are. It could be Elijah Fisher, a five-star recruit, or Davion Harmon coming in from Oregon. If you don't play defense, you're not going to play. So that's – and that is the culture of Texas Tech. Yeah, there you go. Uh, man, that was a great insight. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, give us great insight on Texas Tech as a team and uh, kind of your perspective from last year. So, Jared, we appreciate you having we appreciate having you on, man. Uh, best of luck uh, throughout this off season and uh, into the Texas Tech football year uh, for y'all too. Yeah, crazy times. Uh, thanks for having me. Y'all are great, man. I'll do this anytime. Just just let me know. Awesome. Appreciate it, man.